Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' series, a month-long event celebrating the authors and narrators that bring romance stories to life. Listen along as Viviana, Enchantress of Books, interviews your favorite writers and voices, share special guest posts, and stay tuned for some special information at the conclusion of the episode. Hi, everyone. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting with my guest, narrator Benjamin Charles. And welcome back to the Audiobook Lovin'. Benjamin, how are you today? Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm doing very well. How about you? So far, so good. I'm talking to you, so everything's great. Ah, <laughs> oh, oh, my heart is exploding. <laughs> Perfect. Goals set, made, match. <laughs> so I mentioned that um, that you're back because last year you were part of the Audiobook Loving series and shared your top five reasons why you love being an audiobook narrator. And I'll include the link to that mm. post within our episode's information, but today we're actually chatting for the first time and getting to know you better, mm-hmm. so I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Me too, me too. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been narrating, and how you got started. Sure. I, I am 32 years old. I've been in New York City for about 14 years, and I got into the narration business through my best friend and roommate in college, Zachary Weber, who is, you know, famous okay. in the audiobook narration <laughs> world. <laughs> um, and so he got me my first title, which was a Deborah Anastasia mm-hmm. book. Um, and that led to me being the, the title character in another Deborah book called Havoc. Uh, and that was in 2018. And then since then, I've kind of been slowly but surely um, building up my skill sets and, and relationships and ease in the work and really falling in love with um, audiobooks in general, but specifically uh, the Roma, the romance genre. Yeah. So thank you, Zach, uh, for bringing Benjamin into our lovely world and our earbuds. And Deborah, thank you for Animal. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's how I discovered you was through Deborah's um, The Mercy uh, series and then mm-hmm. how you got, how that character, which was fascinating. And then he got his own book and I'm like, oh, I wonder who she's, oh, yes, she cast Benjamin. So. <laughs> thank you, Deborah. Yeah. Yeah, no, she, um, I spoke to her, I think it was last year too. And when your name came up, she's like, Benjamin. (laughs) It's mutual. Yeah. yeah. So once you've been cast for a title, how do you go about prepping the book? Like, what is your process to prep? Sure. I think it's a little different um, depending on the book, but What I like to do is go through all the chapters that I will be reading and scan for names and maybe terms, places uh, that I don't know or that I'm not confident on. So pretty much a basic pronunciation scan. Um, And then also a story scan to see what we're gonna be dealing with and character development scan and to see how many characters are being played. Uh, And sometimes I have a back and forth with the author, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes the author and I really never talk, especially if if, um, a producer is the one who reaches out to me for the title. And 
that's interesting to me to do an, an entire book by somebody and not really make quote unquote real contact with them, even though it'd be you know, digital anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but the way that I kind of uh, balance that out is the author is sharing so much of their selves, their selves, um, themselves with their writing. And I am sharing so much of myself with my voice. And it's like a vulnerable part of me is touching and combining with a vulnerable part vulnerable part of them and so even if I don't talk to them I feel like I'm talking to them you know uh yeah it, it becomes kind of a spiritual uh, dynamic to me mm -hmm. the authors do say that when they're writing these books they've put some parts of themselves in it and mm -hmm. or some of their experience or someone else's that they know experience into it so it's truly like their little babies and so mm -hmm. i think it, it takes a lot too to trust i'm like okay someone else is reading my book fine <laughs> so mm -hmm. it is definitely an experience and us listeners to get to that to get that full package of the author's story and then you guys as narrators bringing it to life is wonderful I think that's mm. one of the reasons why we love audiobooks is we get a little bit more of an in-depth from the performance. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so in that process of yours of prepping it, are you also thinking about how the characters are going to sound and giving them their specific tones and accents and things like that? Sometimes. I think when I first started, I felt kind of overwhelmed by the prospect of plotting out characters and their voices and being consistent with it and figuring out which chapters those characters come back in. And I've heard many um, more experienced and, and prolific audiobook narrators talk about their process being just that. And I think, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, maybe in a book where that is um, absolutely crucial for the listener to follow along for, 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 the, for the narrator to do that. Um, but I'm, I'm finding, and I, and I actually found this from Zachary, from some of his performances, that the less, less is more sometimes. Like just a, just a, just a little touch of, of character um, does enough to, to not take the, the reader out of the story and out of the fact that you really as a narrator are, are taking these words and putting them into the air for the person who's listening to kind of see the story, but also see the words as if they're reading it. Um, so the words to me come first, almost before the characterization. Um, so I think like a gentle touch with characterization is where I'm kind of, uh, that's a little pocket that I'm in right now, is um, just to get the essence of a character, but for it to be more subtle than anything else. Um, yeah. So the it's amazing how being subtle sometimes can be overlooked but it's just that slight little up or down tone or that accent that's exactly. enough to say oh he sounds southern exactly. <laughs> versus that whole sometimes some people get too heavy in their drawl and i'm going mm -mm, mm -mm, you get pulled mm -mm. out you get pulled yeah. out of the story. yeah yeah and also sometimes when it's not consistent because at least if you're reading a book you can flip back a page or two to figure out who the heck is talking but mm -hmm. in an audiobook that rewind is not easy <laughs> You're going, oh, fuck, I went all the way to the beginning. Now I have to read the G. Darn, I have to listen to you again. But no, 
<laughs> you know? So that's where it's the, yes. that it's important as part of that process goes from the listeners to be able to understand who's talking, but not have it be so out there where you're going, dude, no, bring it, dial it down a bit, you know? So I'm glad exactly. that you're in that. And state. I know. Oh, thank you, sir, for interrupting. But mm -hmm. there are some titles I've done where I absolutely went to the extreme. So if anyone's listening to this and thinking, but that title, I heard Benjamin <laughs> Charles on it. And he was inconsistent <laughs> and he was using a Southern drawl. And I think I'm learning from my mistakes. <laughs> oh, trust me. Trust me. If we look at some of the most prolific and awarded narrators or those that have been doing it for years and we go back to book one, uh -huh. we won't stay there very long uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> we're going oh okay yeah bye <laughs> uh -huh. it's like with any kind of skill sets i'm a firm believer that we have that learning curve and mm -hmm. that um we learn as we go and we improve it just like we hone our skill sets so yeah your Absolutely. first book i don't think with anybody's first book is going to be like oh my god this is brilliant it's going to be like hmm what did i do no that's not going to happen again you know mm -hmm. So that's good. So if anybody is listening to that book that he mentioned, just finish it and just move on. Is that it? <laughs> Go grab that Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. We um, mentioned a little bit about the accents. And one thing that I've realized and learned, and because it's also me, we are suckers for accents. Um, is there one mm. accent that you'd love to perform? Hmm. Is there one accent that I love to perform? I think uh, where my mind goes with that question is the difference between an accent that I love to perform and mm -hmm. an accent that is accurate. Because <laughs> there are some accents that I love to perform but if anyone who actually has that accent listened to me, they'd throw me off a cliff. They'd say, how dare you? But I still have fun, you know? Mm -hmm. So like there's, there are certain mm -hmm. West African accents that I love to perform, but I don't know if that is actually what somebody who is from that place would sound like, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and um, I did live in Georgia for a number of years. And when I was in Georgia, like I didn't meet anybody who was really talking like this because I wasn't in the backwoods of Georgia, you know what I mean? I was like 30 minutes north of Atlanta. But <laughs> I did hear people who had a little bit of draws. And and there's a there's a different kind of Atlanta accent that is southern but also metropolitan. Mm -hmm. uh, so it just comes out on certain vowels. Um and I mean I love I'm a sucker for like Courtney, yeah, and and RP, like British RP, but again, I don't know that it's accurate, mm -hmm. but it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but some of these, these are things that, of course, if I were to audition for a part um, that required it, I would do a deep, deep dive. And I did go to drama school and we had years of um, speech training and uh, uh, the IPA, the International Phonetic Alphabet training and an accent work. I don't think we did enough accent work, um, but I have tools and resources to like do these things professionally. I just haven't, haven't. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I think that we all like, again, goes back to that whole like learning thing, but also enough a slight is just to give a hint is mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that, the question was, would you like to perform? Not if you were accurate though, but that's good. <laughs> so to answer your question, I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> now I know my listeners are probably like, ask him if he's ever used it for, a, uh, you know, to his advantage. <laughs> I'll never exactly (laughs) but um, so when it when it comes down to the performance and you were saying how if it's needed um have you had any accent work that has been needed that was like really hard for you that you had to go like wow never again or mm -mm." um I, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I did a, I did a book um, earlier this year and I had to, oh boy, it was a very specific Southern accent mm-hmm. and I, I really actually worked on it, but when it was, it was one that I was doing in an actual studio rather than at home. And I think that if I had done it at home, uh, I would have stopped and listened and thought, okay, no, I gotta, I gotta do some more work on this. Um, but because I was already there and there was an engineer, we were under the time, I, I, was, I realized I was underprepared with that accent and that there was nothing to do except just do it. <laughs> just do what, like, I, what I could do. And that, was, and that was a learning moment for me because I, was, I felt so... Um, sheepish like all my my creative impulses were really uh shut down because i was in my head because i felt like oh i haven't actually prepared enough for this and i haven't and i respect the work of these writers and they deserve um for the performances to be excellent and so i felt just kind of ashamed and that wasn't fun Mm. and i think you can you can sense when someone's not having fun and then it's not fun. So the whole thing felt a kind of like a, like a big learning moment of if you're going to do this, then do it. So I'm never going to be in that position again. I can tell you that. Yeah. But you know, again, learning curve, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yes. All good things. All good things. Yeah. 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 Um, when it comes down to, the styles of narrations, we, you know, we have duet, dual, solos. Do you prefer a style of narrating when it comes down to the POVs? I like them all for different reasons. I think that the heavy lifting of a solo is, is so satisfying and gratifying when you get to the end of it. And it really becomes kind of your baby. It's your story. And I love the, um, the give and take. Mm-hmm. of the the dual and the duet and ha- how exciting it is to do to tell a story with someone else who's not there and then listen to it um and have the experience of the other side of your story you know mm-hmm. um i think that's really 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 special mm-hmm. yeah i know i think that duet is becoming more and more popular because of that give and take of the narrators have in those ducks, especially when it's bantering, because you can only interrupt yourself for so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this pandemic, I live alone. 
And so I feel like I've done, I've been interrupting myself. I've been doing all the things you would do with someone else. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to wait for someone else to, to be here. I'm going to live. So stop myself mid-sentence. And just, yeah, reply. Like, why yeah, is reply. the laundry still on the floor? Because I didn't freaking feel like doing it right now. <laughs> why don't you get off my back? It's impossible to live with you. <laughs> Quite right. Yes, it's kind of accurate. Um, <laughs> is um, what is your favorite subgenre of romance to perform? That's my favorite subgenre. Yeah. Of romance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have such admiration and awe for the plot and character development of most of the the titles that I've had the pleasure of recording. And so I know that this is kind of not answering your question, but it's just that these, I think I came into this, this work with an idea, a preconceived idea of what romance was. Um, and with almost all of the titles that I've done, the, the kind of explicit uh, sex scenes are last for like a couple pages max in a maybe 300 page, uh, manuscript and so mostly it's extremely nuanced and truthful and vulnerable character development and plot development and um, I've been able to play a lot of people who had a, had um, hard knocks growing up in their lives and that to me as an actor is what I'm here to do like, that's just that's actually worth the price of admission for me the the, the people who um, you can tell it cost the writer something to write these people mm-hmm. and their stories and 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 it costs me to to give life to them and that cost feels life affirming to me actually like mm-hmm. um and so any any novel that i can do um where the characters and the situations and the plot uh and of course the relationships are expertly crafted and fine-tuned and are, are real people who have hurt and who are deciding to open themselves up to love after being hurt, whether they were hurt by love or just hurt by life. Mm-hmm. Uh, that to me is something that never gets old. Yeah, well, romance um, is a, an umbrella term. I like to describe it as with the subgenres being underneath of the umbrella. And those are, you know, your, your paranormal and your contemporary, ah. which you've done a lot of contemporary romance. Um, but like those historical paranormals and then you have those fantasies and and then there's a bunch of different things and then you add the tropes to it you know the enemies to lovers and all that fun stuff Um, so ever wanted to be a vampire or werewolf (laughs) learning there was a teachable moment and you took it so thank you thank you for teaching me Um, have I ever wanted to be a werewolf or vampire vampire. (laughs) totes bring it on I'm available. Cast me for for your <laughs> for your werewolf and vampire mm-hmm. uh, hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's like the MC motorcycle gangs. I mean, there's just so mm. many things out there that can pique people's interest and and there's just the free to pick from. And so that's mm. that's always a fun question for me because of all that availability that's out mm. there. But um, but yeah, that like the whole PNR thing for paranormal romance where mm-hmm. shifters, vampires, bears, oh my. Um I feel like I've just 
I feel like I've just begun. Mm-hmm. Truly. I feel yeah. really humbled by that because you're right that most of the work I've done has been contemporary. Um, and, and I'm so excited to branch out and find out about the, the worlds that I don't even know about yet because mm-hmm. you, know, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So you have only recently started, I mean, it's been a good year and a half, almost two now that you've been more in, you know, engrossed in the, the romance genre per se. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that there's all these different ones, is there something that you're like excited or wanting to do in a genre that you haven't done yet that you're like on a bucket list? I mean, now that you've, that you've um, put the vampire <laughs> and werewolf, you yes. planted the seeds of those two, I'm like, let's hmm. do those. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you would be a perfect fit. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Yes, perfect. Yeah, yeah, I think now we have a whispering Benjamin Charles there. And uh, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what is your favorite type of character to play? You know how we have the sweet guy, the alpha guy, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Do you have a preference or a favorite to kind to play? Mm-hmm. Well, kind of what I was saying before, or it's in conversation with what I said before, which is that I like um, complicated, nuance, and complex uh, characters. And I think that the argument could be made that um, as the voiceover artist, I can do that with whatever is on the page. That's kind of like, that's my role, that's my job, mm-hmm. is to make any character complex and nuanced. Um, but I love the ones who on the page are already complex, nuanced. Um, I, I mean, this is my, maybe I shouldn't say this because I'm maybe I'm popping a bubble for my readers, but like, I've never been in a relationship. I've never been in a, in a, in a, Relationship. I've never been in a, in a long-term uh, relationship. Let me say that. Um, I have nothing against it. I want it. I'm opening myself up to the universe for it. And but So most of these books uh, are walking me through what it's like to be in a, in a long-term relationship or being a really passionate relationship. And I feel like I'm living vicariously through them, whether it's the charmer, the all-American, all or it's the the kid who grew up in um, in and out of orphanages and and foster homes, uh, who's misunderstood, or the one who has had run-ins with the government, the police, uh, authoritarian structures. You know, uh, I think that all of them teach me. Every single one of them teach me. But I do, I mean, it's fun to play someone who's just kind of fun, uh, especially with how dark the world has been. Um, sometimes playing characters who are severely depressed doesn't help my own depression. Uh, but I like every single one of them. I know this is a diplomatic response, but I think every character that I, that I um, get to kind of embody teaches me more about myself and teaches me more about other people. So it increases my empathy, um, which I think is essential. You, so you said about bursting bubbles. No, as soon as they hear that part, you're going to hear all the way across the world. Um, uh, aww. <laughs> <laughs> 
and volunteers. <laughs> Great. I pay yes. tributes. <laughs> Well, that's um not usually a question I do ask because I don't isn't that it's not meant for prying or anything. But in romance, there's a lot of things that we all learn about things that we might like and have discovered that we didn't know we liked and discovered, um, mm. as well as even maybe how to have open lines of communication. Mm. And in I know that you're relatively also new to romance itself. Have you picked up any? new like oh okay that works i see how that could work kind of a thing mm -hmm. when it comes down to relationships mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well i think you named it i think you <laughs> named one of the primary parts of it i mean that that, mm -hmm. that uh, open channels of communication like kind of radical transparency in in communication with your lover but also your loved one Mm -hmm. your environment anybody that you come into contact with i think that that's a lesson that can be uh that i've learned from these books that can be applied to literally every relationship mm -hmm. that you have with another human being and with yourself mm -hmm. um and kind of i'm gonna make this one plug here i think because this month may uh is national mental health awareness month mm -hmm. and that's something that i'm quite passionate about i've i've lost a family member to suicide and i've navigated my own uh journey with major depressive disorder and generalized anxiety disorder and i've been a crisis counselor with this organization called the crisis text line that you can just text into at 741-741 if you're ever feeling like you can't handle what's on your plate. Um, and so mental health is something that's very important to me and that I'm, I'm passionate about. And uh, many of the stories that I've read that I've seen so clearly in how characters who thought that there were things, there were parts of their experience that they could not share, um, how that hurt them. And most of them, in the end, their freedom by sharing those parts of themselves that they didn't really love or accept or think were acceptable or lovable with their loved one. And that being the kind of um, point at which things open up around and the love is able to really thrive. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a that's some that's a lesson that that I, I love that I am learning again every time I read the new script and it keeps on driving at home that open up, open up, open mm -hmm. up, open up. When it feels uncomfortable, lean in. Don't back away. Lean in. When it, when it's when you're talking about your your preferences um, in the bedroom, like talk about it. Talk mm -hmm. about it. Like lean into the what what feels um unsafe so so long as it's consensual and i feel I, when i say unsafe i mean unsafe because it's been unexplored mm -hmm. um not because it's dangerous to you or your partner but that to me is 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 awesome mm -hmm. it's awesome and something that i did not know i was going to learn by doing this work yeah well i think that it's um this gender has so much different conversations of opportunities from the 
you know, they've brought in the whole like sexuality and making sure that it's okay to talk about the things that you like and want in a relationship to those moments too, where you're, I'm reading or listening to a book and I'm going, I'm going to throw you across the room because if you would have just told him. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> like hundreds of like hours worth of drama and struggle that could have been avoided if you just told the truth. I know, <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, and it becomes like years later afterwards and it was just a misunderstanding and I'm going, I see, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> All I did was just tell her, but no. You should have come to Juliana. <laughs> she would have figured it all out for you. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still learning. <laughs> because it's hard, though. I think that putting yourself in a vulnerable position, whether it's emotionally or physically or sexually, is very difficult. And Absolutely. it's also even mental. It's very, very difficult to put yourself in such a vulnerable place for a possible rejection and not mutual response in how you feel but knowing yes. and learning that it's okay to put yourself out there and it's okay that yeah it may not work out with this one individual but go to the next one you know live your life move mm. on learn and and continue mm. to be your truest self is important and to allow yourself to absolutely everything absolutely and to allow yourself to you know feel the hits mm -hmm. to feel what you're feeling like to feel the disappointment after you put yourself out there and are rejected and to kind of um nurse your your sensitive heart mm -hmm. and then and then go back out there with mm -hmm. a, with an open heart that believes that love is possible you know mm -hmm. um absolutely yeah. and that love looks differently for everything i think also too society has Come on. um yes. completely raised us to believe in you know the fairy tale Disney version of the, the 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 guy you know saving the girl kind of a thing, or that it has to be this specific way. Like by the time you're 22, this, and then by the time you're 30, you're having the kids, and by that 40s mm -hmm. and stuff. And mm -hmm. it's not like that in real life, and it's okay. So even at 32, with no previous long-term relationships, um, <laughs> you will find someone wow. that wow. will be. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know and that it's okay I and mean, that doesn't make it any weird i mean we've had books where the let's see i think there's there was one where the guy was the virgin and he was still in his 30s and and mm -hmm. was just waiting and then we had the opposite too where the girl's been the virgin and just again waiting for the right opportunity and stuff like that and there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff and the importance of also not rushing it and regardless of what mm. the capacity is, because you don't ever want to force it or be put in a situation yeah. where you're just there for the sake of it, because that's not fun. But yeah, no, an no. idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I just and I uh, an idea that I've I've heard over and over again throughout my life is to trust the timing of your life, mm. which is, I think is simple, but really powerful to mm -hmm. just trust the timing of your life yeah. to let all of the the mass media um messaging just kind of go by the wayside fall by the wayside and and to not compare yourself to anybody else's mm -hmm. journey yeah um mm -hmm. that's important too the other thing too that and you mentioned it and regarding like the mental health i think a lot of things in romance are now starting to be less taboo including the, men, the, the importance of mental health, the self-care, that it's okay mm -hmm. to have these conversations mm -hmm. of, I am depressed and I'm not feeling well, and today is a low day. And how do mm -hmm. you help me as my partner mm -hmm. stay safe 
and stay here and still be there for me without trying mm -hmm. to fix me. You know, mm -hmm. because you're not broken, you just have a situation mm -hmm. in your life. Um, and I think more and more authors yes. are tackling that. And that's important too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And I, I hear some people say like, give percentages of people um, who have experienced or are navigating. I don't, I don't love saying struggling with because mm -hmm. I feel like that word is packed and it's not, you know, it's not always a struggle. Sometimes it's just like a, a cohabitation with a situation or a condition, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. in, in your body, it feels like you're cohabitating with a, a, with a certain kind of energy. Um, and I want to, I want to try to soften out, massage the stigma around this. But when people say, uh, this percentage of people have have been dealing with um, mental health. I think every single person who has a a brain <laughs> mm -hmm. has navigated mental health. Just like every single person that has a body has navigated physical health. So I don't, I don't, I think that those percentages are misleading or like misnomers. I think every single human being who has a mind and has a heart has has interacted with some sort of uh, mental health uh, situation, mm -hmm. whether or not they could name it, whether or not they felt like they had the support uh, to acknowledge it and, and, and tend to it. I think that, so I, I think if we can start thinking of mental health, like we think of physical health, instead of this, oh, that, that's something that other people deal with. I think every single human being deals with mental health. And the more we can normalize that, the the more freedom we will have to do exactly what you said to to make space for other people in our lives that we love who are navigating lows or highs that feel vulnerable and scary and um overwhelming mm -hmm. absolutely yeah but also just to be able to have the conversation on it too because it's such a taboo subject and there's also even culturally some, I mean, my my background mm. is Latin and a lot of the Latin communities don't believe in psychologists um, <laughs> or medication <laughs> for things, just get over it. And, you know, growing up in that situation uh -huh. where then now you're as an adult trying to figure out, oh, that's what I have, depression, good to know. That's what mm -hmm. it was, anxiety. Mm -hmm. I was just not dealing with it. Okay, great. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So dealing and having these subjects and having these characters that we fall in love with and that you guys voice have these, you know, day to day um, things that they have to deal with. And that's part of them. And we end up falling in love with that person. That means we fall in love with everything, the good and the bad, including when they leave their shoes everywhere instead of in the closet or the toilet seat up and not down. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, <laughs> adds up up it does it adds up but um it's just one of those things where it's part of the person and not something that can be fixed or gotten over with and i think that that's mm -hmm. something that sometimes people tend to forget when it comes down to mental illness it's part of the person and it's not an easy fix mm -hmm. so yeah it's important to me too i've lost people uh, as well so <clears throat> glad that we talked on that especially again, again with romance it is such a genre that allows for open dialogue regarding sexuality to kink to different styles of relationship mm. from monogamy to polyamorous mm. i mean there's just so many options mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're mm -hmm. going ooh, endless yeah <laughs> 
we've been working a lot, I think, more this year than previous years because of the way that our world has been this year with COVID. Um, when you're not working, what do you do for fun? I have a easy answer to that, which is run. I've gotten so deep into running um, over the last year. Mm -hmm. And it is such a regulator for the mind and body, which I think every single one of us who has been affected by the pandemic, which is every single one of us, mm -hmm. uh, could benefit from. And uh, you get to be out in nature, just outside, period. And uh, I find that running is such a perfect um, like encapsulation of the experience of having a limiting belief and then busting through it. <laughs> so, uh, and that can be applied to the rest of your life. Like running makes me feel like a superhero, even when I'm not doing anything impressive. I think just the act of going outside and deciding to run is an act of inspiration that I can then bring to anything else I have to do in the day. Um, and I love running before I do a book because also real talk, when you're recording a, a book, an audiobook, you're gonna make a lot of mistakes. And I'm a former, I'm a recovering perfectionist. And so when you make, when you, you know, you mispronounce that schwa or you, you like you mispronounce that vowel sound. And so you have to do it again. And to and you're reading a lot of words. You're reading tens of thousands of words. And so you're going to make mistakes. Even if you prepared within an inch of your life, you're going to make mistakes. You're human. You're reading in real time. <laughs> and you're doing a lot of work to make the, the story um, come alive for the listener and for the reader and for, for not the reader, for the, the writer and for the listener and for yourself. And um, so easing into the reality that you're going to make a lot of mistakes and that does not mean that you're bad and it does not mean that you're wasting time that doesn't mean anything except for the fact that you're human and that's glorious that's glorious being human right and mm -hmm. so going out and running in the morning and sometimes feeling like i don't have enough energy to do what i set myself set out for myself to do and being okay with that or running out in the morning and thinking I'm going to run a, a certain distance and then getting this wind of energy and just <laughs> going further and thinking, wow, I could do anything, you know, whatever, whatever it is, it's, it's very meditative to me, mm -hmm. uh, uh, running. And I've, I've become part of a number of running communities in Brooklyn and they are so loving, just like the audiobook, um, the romance listeners, are such a loving community of people. I, I find that the that these runners are such a loving community of people and none of them are competing. None of them are trying to get to the Olympics. Everyone just loves up on everyone else, wherever they are in their physical health journey. Um, even if you can only run a mile, you know? Uh, not only, even if you feel like you can run a mile and that's a feat for you. Or if you feel like you're running a marathon and that's a feat for you, everything in between, everyone is so accepting and so loving and so supportive of each other. So that is what I've been doing with my quote unquote downtime, but it's now become like running time rather than downtime. But uh, that's become a real passion of mine over the last year is, is running in community with people. That's great. I used to try to run away, but um, <laughs> well, that was the, me before. Yeah, <laughs> I, when I'm leaving the door, they're like, "Where are you going?" I'm like, "I'm running away." Um, 
<laughs> like when you coming back, I go, I'm not. <laughs> Where are you going to go? I don't know. <laughs> Just not here. But no, yeah, no, running, being outdoors, I think it's important. We're so enclosed right now because of everything. Yes. Um, we kind of like, oh, outside, yay. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's a good one. Um, have not encountered that one as a thing to do for fun, except for one or two other people. <laughs> but they were like, one of them loved to do it, but they were a runner. So they did marathons and triathlons and things like that. Um, and my uh, God, the energy that was there sometimes I'm going, can I, can you bottle that up for me? Cause I drag it, um, but I can see, <laughs> yeah, but I can see how it's important. Um, and we all have our thing, but running is a good one to have. Um, I will be, um, borrowing your recovering perfectionist term and utilizing that for my own good, because <laughs> it's not a good trait to have in a lot of things, yeah. but you're working on it. So you're recovering perfectionist. So I'm going to borrow that. I might even make it into That's a graphic. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. You touched on it a little bit now, um, but you also mentioned it last year when you did your top five um, as to why you love being a narrator was the romance community and what aspects of the audible community has surprised you? Surprised me. I think I'm continually humbled by the active participation and acceptance, the kind of radical um, acceptance of everyone there, the, the, the devotion, the willingness to explore things that are unknown um, and then celebrate, celebrate the exploration. Uh, just the kindness too. Everyone, I've, I've only encountered kind people. I mean, uh, and that's from the producers to the casting, to the writers, to the listeners, to you, to it's just so kind. Everyone here is so kind. And that, um, that's pretty life-changing, I think, as, a, as a, a mental paradigm to just live inside of kindness and to go into spaces that don't seem very kind and to be kind of an ambassador of kindness in those spaces because of how, um, how thoroughly kind this space is and how many different people are coming from many different backgrounds and situations that I know are not easy and are making the conscious choice to be kind. Uh, I love that. So that is what I, I'm, I'm addicted. I have no plans on ever leaving the, this community because of how kind it is. Aw, not like you had a choice to go anywhere, honey. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we like you, we keep you. <laughs> no, it, it is true. It, it's such a welcoming, and I, and I think it comes from the base of, we all have one thing in common for sure is we all love romance. And then there's the additional layers of whether we love the audiobooks in romance or if we like a specific genre or there's the narratives that we love and it just continues to build. And that community tends to then have different conversations about the cookies that someone makes or this and that. And so it becomes, yes. you know, a really loving community that's there for each other on the good and the bad but also the the way that we recommend because we're devouring the books and when we find mm. someone new and they get that question like oh who should i listen to we're like how much time do you have 
(laughs) (laughs) And then it becomes like a questionnaire. Are you into this or that more? Have you heard this or do you prefer that? You know, and it's, uh, Mm. and then we start naming the names and they're going, oh my God, I never knew there were so many narrators. I'm like, who wouldn't think it to Benjamin? (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, or you like when their names come up to it. It's such a great community and to be able to have these conversations and they also get us. That's the other thing too. They get you guys as narrators and the job and what it takes and they get the listeners that love it. If we have this kind of conversation with people that are not into the books, we get looked at really weird. Uh (laughs) Like, Uh what do you mean you like this guy named Benjamin and you've never met him in person? (laughs) Like his Uh voice. Yeah, so it becomes a little awkward outside of the world. But I know, they don't get it. don't understand. (laughs) When he says your name. Yeah, uh, we, we've had converters. We've had those. They're like, nah, I'd never. And oh. I'm like, just listen, listen. And then they come back really shyly. What's next? <laughs> and I'm like, we've won another one. <laughs> Welcome yes. to the world of audiobooks. And here we go. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, or those that are into it, but not as much. And then they, it clicks and they like, oh, I get it. And I'm like, the character have your name and they're going yeah he said my name and i'm like ah okay <laughs> because that's a thing you know when it comes mm-hmm. down to romance but yeah no it's a it's a great community for sure the other thing that you mentioned in that uh, we learned a lot even about those five things is that um you had not originally read adult romance up until you started narrating and that you've actually had a right. collection of books by your bedside there to read but are you reading only the ones that you're narrating or are you actively reading outside of quote-unquote work well i have been reading the ones that i'm narrating and i have i have a couple that have nothing to do with work um but that i want to get to and no, I cannot name them right now, slash will not name them right now, but I do have. <laughs> I wasn't going to put you on the spot, dude. <laughs> but yes, the answer is yes, I have, I have books that aren't books that I'm reading mm-hmm. professionally that, I, that I'm reading. I mean, the, the genre is, is interesting to me now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, if you ever need any recommendations, you know who to go to. This Thank you so go, much. go on your on your Facebook page and just say, so hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the mood for I don't know X Y Z kind of <laughs> romance. Right. What do you suggest? <laughs> right. And they will flock to answer. They will flock. Well, speaking of social media, yeah, I I have been working on an Instagram for uh for like a little while that's the back to the recovering perfectionist thing I'm like I don't want it to go live until I really have it figured out and I'm navigating like posts that have clippets from uh snippets from books that I've done but wondering what I want the graphics to be for those and it should be for the the book title but I also want to uh, uh like um give a little bit of like who I am uh for for listeners and for the audience um and so trying to curate all of that and feeling overwhelmed and just not paying attention to it for a week and then coming back to it and saying I need to do this I really want to do this because I really want to engage with the community in a different way than than on Facebook Mm -hmm. um and so I guess that's just me saying keep an eye out for for an Instagram presence to uh, materialize within the next month 
awesome. And I, ooh, I, ooh, thing I'm right. So we were talking off air before about how I'm like the, the girl that thinks about things and plans and the whole business side of things. And I just had like ideas pop up of options. So I will get with you afterwards because it's yes. some fun stuff. So yay. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And you, but you know what you could do? Now, this is how it brings me back to this question. Um, one of the things that we do love knowing from the author, I mean, from the narrator's perspective is getting, getting to know you guys a little bit better, but obviously not being intrusive because that's uh -huh. a big no-no um, uh -huh. in our community is things like you mentioned that you were a snack monster. Ha -ha. Ha -ha. So, ha -ha. what are some of your favorite snacks and things that yeah. you can also post on your Instagram? Ha -ha. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Look at that. Look at you. Yeah. Oh, today's snack of the day. No <laughs> snack of the day. Um, well, you know, I'm I'm kind of sometimes sometimes a health nut. Mm -hmm. uh, so I like nuts. I like almonds. Mm -hmm. um i go between i think like my go-to snack is salted roasted almonds with raisins mm -hmm. and like really old school basic right cool mm -hmm. and i like certain fruits from my snacks i like oranges I've, I've taken to cutting up oranges and doing orange slices mandarin oranges tangerines love bananas chowing down a banana i love the kind of um it's the throwback to being young what is it called like ants on a log with the oh, celery yeah. stick and peanut butter and the raisins um so most of my snacks like to be fruit or vegetable based i know mm -hmm. wow 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 but uh <laughs> there's also <laughs> sometimes I, I mean i love cookies but i don't know that i consider cookies to be snacks cookies are like desserts i i, I think cookies are are their own um their desserts sure but also cookies are just cookies and i love cookies i'm a cookie monster but i'm also a snack monster and for snacks i like the veggies and the, and the fruits and um sometimes a taste of sweet like uh like a peanut butter um yeah i don't love candy though i don't love like mass-produced candy mm -hmm. okay See, but those are those are things too. Again, that people getting common, and they're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, I like the bananas, or I like this, or or like me, I have a thing with texture." So Ooh. I am very. It, it's very. It's, it's good. It's so bad though. Like, I love the flavor of strawberries and bananas, wow. but the textures I can't. So in a blender Heard. they go. In a blender <laughs> they go. <laughs> and now I have a banana strawberry, you know, shake that I have uh, in there. And then why not ask, add, add some chocolate chips in there? You're good. Uh, yeah. And that's how I have it. <laughs> I see you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a lot. It's just one of those because of the texture. Um, and even then, like even the vegetables, I love carrots, but I like them cooked. I have yet to do it raw from a snack mm -hmm. perspective. So mm -hmm. seeing you guys share some of this stuff, it's like, oh, me too. Or, oh, that looks good. I should try it, mm -hmm. you know? So mm -hmm. there you go. Well, you told me before that you're a chef extraordinaire. I, and I- <laughs> I said chef, I did not add the other part, but thank you. Well, you are extraordinary <laughs> across the board. So it goes without saying. Um, but a part of that is also, I've been learning more during the pandemic about um, cooking mm -hmm. for myself. And I, it's like such a world, such a huge world. I mean, just like the genres. Mm -hmm. uh, it's such a huge world that I, I did not know I knew so little about. Mm -hmm. And the more I know, the more I don't know, and which is exciting to me. Um, and, and 
like roasted vegetables. You were just talking about cooked carrots. And I think roasted vegetables are so mm. game changing. Yes. Like, all you have to do is take these, take these veggies that are so kind of banal and so boring or so whatever. You have bad memories from childhood of being forced to eat and stuff. And then just douse them in olive oil, put some salt on them, and then put them in the oven for <laughs> however long at whatever temperature. And then it's like a whole new world of flavor and texture and heat and nuanced, um, a nuanced experience for your mouth. I, it's been revolutionary for me. I'm like, what? 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 And truly, you don't have to have any kind of skill or any kind of innate talent for any, or any kind of anything. Just olive oil and salt and heat. And you're done. And, 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 a, and a nasty carrot turns into something delicious that's yes. almost like caramelized it's it's ridiculous or maybe it's not ridiculous maybe it's magic and marvelous but it so yes it's both cool. <laughs> do you like potatoes i like potato okay okay we can talk all right so potatoes i do like i, I don't i didn't grow up liking potatoes but i've discovered this recipe mm -hmm. uh, or this technique i guess of um chopping up the russet potato or the purple potato or the sweet potato, not so much with the sweet potato, but with the starchier potatoes mm -hmm. and cutting them and cubing them and then boiling them for just a little bit and then roasting them. And then they get, they almost become like taters. They, they, yeah. they get really crispy on the, on the outside. And, and that's been, again, game changing for me. Um, and then I love sweet potatoes. I just love sweet potatoes. You can bake a sweet potato. You can make the fries. You can, you can um, roast it. You can, make mashed sweet potatoes i don't know i love yams nice what about you i i love potatoes um but i was gonna say so i'm gonna send you the recipe for i have an herb salt that includes garlic basil parsley and then you know sea, uh, sea salt and when yes. you blend all that stuff together and then when you add those to the potatoes so like potatoes you could any kind roasted um or this, you know either for french fries or any kind that you want to make and then you melt some butter add the potatoes to the butter and then put that herb salt on it and then put it in the oven to bake. And it gives you a bit of everything in one bite and it's so good. And then with the leftover potatoes that you may not want to use them all at once kind of a thing, you can actually just mash the rest of those up and then you have mashed potatoes the next day like that, roasted mashed potatoes. Mm -hmm. So with the herb salt. So I'll, I'll send you the recipe. It's, it's on, and it lasts for a while. So you can do a bit of a batch and it lasts. But you can also use that herb salt for chicken where you just oil the chicken up and put it on the skin and then just stick it in the oven. <laughs> well, you just changed my life. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. All over herb salts. Yes. <laughs> I, I will send you the recipe. It's so good. Um, and you can use them for like breakfast potatoes or like when you're having a steak with potatoes. So yeah, and you can, again, it's great. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, people are gonna ask me for that clip right there, thanks. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> if you were not a narrator, what would you be career-wise? I was not a narrator what would i be mm -hmm. i think that i would i've been really entertaining this as uh, because you know during the entertaining this thought during the pandemic living alone lots of things being shut down the work wasn't necessarily steady um mm -hmm. so also thinking about what am i doing with my life 
uh, I deeply entertained the idea of going to school for photojournalism hmm. um, because I, I am quite socially minded and I won't label myself an activist because there, there are people who actually spend their entire lives devoted to activism mm -hmm. and I haven't done that and I respect them. And so I'll say like, I'm, a, I'm someone who has activist inclinations and, um, and social uh, inequities and injustices aren't just things that can pass in and out of my mind and my heart, they stay there. Uh, and so I think, but I, and I love words. I'd love to be a journalist as well, like a word journalist, mm -hmm. <laughs> word journalist, because I'm literate, um, but like, not, like, like <laughs> a written, written word journalist. But I, I think that there is something just like there is something so powerful. And we've been talking about this without talking about it with mm -hmm. the human voice. So there, there's something so intimate and so human and so communicative uh, and live about the human voice where you can feel like you know somebody just by listening to them or you feel like you really have a, a, a deep relationship with them because you do a deep like energetic relationship with someone when you're listening to their voice and i also think that images and to me i'm thinking not moving images but 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 still images that whole adage uh like a picture is worth a thousand words i think like sure but but what I take away from that idea is that a, a picture is so communicative. A picture is so communicative and can be so intimate and so vulnerable and so affirming. To me, the meaning of life is witnessing and being witnessed, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that with a photo, a powerful photo, you can feel that you are being witnessed and that you are witnessing. Um, and if that kind of power is in service of um, activism or, or uh, making good what has gone wrong societally, then I, I think that that would be a really worthwhile um, use of a human life to be a, to be a photojournalist. So I'd wanna be a, a photojournalist who was dealing with maybe like, um, like uh, humanitarian issues uh, uh, abroad or, into, or, or domestically. Um, that's something I've really been thinking about a lot. Wow, okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's because we don't longer see that so much anymore. We see the videos no. because of people on, you know, TikTok or stuff like that, or on, um, you know, any of the social media platforms of things happening, but it, it was long ago back in, and I, you know, read books in history, like the Vietnam War, the mm -hmm. photographers that were there mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. how they were taking pictures of the soldiers taking mm -hmm. their boots off mm -hmm. because they had just walked through water and mm -hmm. the faces and, and even during some of the other things and that uh, we have, you know, hunger issues and mistreatment of, of women in other countries and how those are being footage the, the the look in the person's eyes that you grab it's like part of yeah. that moment part of that soul part of that situation and yeah. it's it's very impactful and very npr um <laughs> because that's it but if people think that automatically like oh that's an npr kind of a thing to do nowadays because it almost seems like a lost art mm -hmm. in that that human humanizing of 
the situation and taking that photograph. Like I think I took out my Nikon that is actually old fashioned film. Um, <laughs> and people were like, wait, what's that? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Me too though. I have an That's FG20. I have a nice. Nikon FG20 35 millimeter. Talk, nice. talk to me about yours. <laughs> I haven't touched her in a long, long time. She's feeling neglected that's and does and mad. But um, but I have a Nikon and a Canon. And mm. it's, you know, some of the things that I've always wanted. I'm still going to do it because I want to do it. Is learn how to make the photos like in a black room, in a dark room. Yes. As all, oh, because that that's just the whole part of the process. And I didn't get to that in the classes that I was taking for photography when I was in college back in the day. But I still love it. And this finding the right angle and finding those intimate moments was always for me like that that's the photo you know when people don't know that they're that they're being like they're looking at them and they're just in that element so it's truly um an interesting moment and i kind of wish that growing up they would say that stuff in school when you have the conversation about what do you want to be when you grow up mm-hmm. um they don't really talk about audiobook narrators and you know producing of audiobooks or you know, even marketing of audiobooks, but also things like photography, how like, hello, book cover models, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> photography. Um, but also I, the, the other day I was like, there's actually an official gig for dog photography. Like when dogs are <laughs> running around and I you know, right? It's like, they're running around. I see and I'm going, oh, puppies. There's a, I can get paid to do this. <laughs> Shit. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think that would definitely um, balance your more in-depth photography. If on the weekends you like puppies. Puppies. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> puppies and like balloons. And things. Yes, exactly. You know, <laughs> that, that, that look of on, on when, the, when the little one has the, I'm about to touch the cake because oh, yeah. <laughs> it's their birthday off. Oh. Yes. Those things like that are so memorable. But yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, we'll have to talk about that stuff later. And also, hello, things for your Instagram. Anyways. Mm. <laughs> mm. Well, here talking about the dogs and the pets and stuff like that before. If you could have any animal as a pet, mm-hmm. what would it be and why? It's a Shiba Inu for me. It's a Shiba Inu And that was quick. Yep, yep. That's not, <laughs> that's, that's at the forefront of my mind. Uh, so that's going to happen. Consider mm-hmm. that manifest. Consider that. Consider that something made manifest. Consider mm-hmm. that something mm-hmm. made manifest. Um, yep, yep, yep. And why? Because I have a absolute soul connection with the Shiba Inu. The every single one that I've come across on the street has stopped in their tracks and looked at me no matter what they're doing, no matter what their owner is doing. And I'm like, okay, I think I might've been a Shiba Inu in a previous <laughs> life. And then and there's this, this moment of recognition and my heart flutters at them. And mm. I think they are so beautiful and, and um, loyal and independent. <laughs> I truly think that if I were an animal, I'd be a Shiba Inu. Okay. All. And that does not mean calling myself beautiful. That not that no, I just mean that I, I didn't am even loyal cross my mind. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I did think about the loyalty. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. It's it's I like have asking that question for various reasons, but it's always like there's from a psycho- from a psychologist's perspective too, it's one of those like, okay, are they gonna go with something that we traditional maybe more domesticated? Like I like to be a you know mm-hmm. a type of a cat that's you know or a dog, and then there's some that would also bust out with like, I want a 
black panther tiger you know or, or bear uh, and stuff like that because they're flamingo. like yes and stuff like that so i'm like okay <laughs> so it's always where the mind goes but that that's a pretty breed that's a very nice mm-hmm. i think all dogs are, are great and mm-hmm. you know, they have an innocent soul per mm-hmm. se but um uh, but yeah i'm gonna have to look that one up because I, I have it in my head of what it, what they look like but i'm gonna like put it in the post there so other people in case you don't know what that looks like now you mentioned that you live in new york and if yeah. you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Oh boy. Okay. If I could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I studied abroad in Amsterdam in 2009 when I was in uni. And that was the most magical place I had and have ever been. So I want to go to there. I want to go to Amsterdam um, because of the magic that it contained at that part of that time in my life. And I know that some of that magic was, um, was that it was the first time I had been to Europe or had been kind of out of the country other than in the Caribbean. Um, And that was magical to me at the time. I was also what? 20 uh and so everything was kind of magical and terrible at the same time so and um i was doing i was studying theater experimental theater so everything was about everything was really sensory um sense like every everything was heightened sense wise and the people i was with it was a small group of people and we were all really um committed artists and we partied hard and worked harder. And it was an amazing time. But I do think that going back there without that, without those people and without doing that stuff would still be really amazing. The, the nature, the food, the canals, the bike culture, mm-hmm. the weed. Uh, <laughs> the history, the, 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 history the, the all that old stuff yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah um the baklava really mm-hmm. yeah and yeah i think i have i have many answers to that question because okay. that that's that's the one that's been at the forefront of my mind um but also i would love to be um near family and my family isn't in New York. So like wherever my family is, I kind of mm-hmm. would like to be. Uh, I've been to France a few times because one of my closest friends lives in Lyon. And so I've been there once a year, every year since 2017. Wow. And didn't go last year, obviously because of the pandemic, but would like to go again later this year. And so I'm falling in love with Lyon and with France. Um, and then there, there are just a lot of places I haven't been that I'd love to go. I'd love to go to by India. I'd love to go to Senegal. I'd love to go to Madagascar. I mean, I'd love to go everywhere. There's no place that I really don't want to go to in the world. Um, And every single place has a reason to go to it. Um, Yep. Got it. (laughs) I wish one of my friends lived somewhere else that I can go visit them and use that as an excuse to travel. (laughs) I I am fully aware of the privilege and the gift of having a loved one that lives someplace else that where you can 
you know, yeah. stay with them and they can show you around and you can mm-hmm. stay for a long time because you're not yeah. having to get a hotel or anything. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I have family that live like in there's in Texas and Connecticut and stuff like that. So I've, I've done that, but never abroad. So mm. I think to find that friend that lives abroad that I can say, I'm going to go visit them. And that's why I'm going. That's right. <laughs> well, my like 10, 15 year plan is to get property in, in France. And so once that happens, you are more than welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, maybe by then I've done some more traveling in that area and I can say, hey, I know a great spot for you to buy that house. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, That's what I'm betting on. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you. I want to knock on your door when I go to New York again. Been there one time and, and I was 19 with 50 bucks in my pocket um, for an entire week. God, I made that go a long time. Um, so I want to go back mm-hmm. now and have some more fun in there and just check out some of the plays because I love the theater and uh, just hang out mm. and get some good pizza because pizza is good there. <laughs> I'm mm. easily, I'm not high maintenance at all. <laughs> <laughs> You're dancing yeah. through life. Yeah, you have to, otherwise it's boring. Um, That's right. Yeah. If you could be any Disney character, who would you be? Um, I'd probably want be one of the, um, what are they called? One of the chorus members in Hercules. Oh, one of the, what are is, they like, they're not sprites, but the, was it the muses or was it the, the muses? That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'll be, I'd be one of the muses Yeah. in, in Hercules. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Easy. That was an easy one. What about you? Oh, I would probably be someone like Merida from Brave. Just riding around, talking to the fairies, throwing an arrow bow for someone that pisses me off. And and I already have the the redhead attitude, even though I don't have red hair. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, but no, that's uh, where I'd be. Um, So the other thing, too, is, um, you know, there's always one thing that happens when you hear um that one song that is your jam mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. song is it that you have to sing along with when you hear it well this is uh, <laughs> the one that came to my mind is not i don't know but i i gotta be honest with my truth and i don't even know if you know this song but it's called glory of love by peter satara mm-hmm. it's like an like an 80s ballad like power ballad mm-hmm. um that is where I'm at. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I know Glory that song. Yeah. It's I a good song. Who will fight for your honor? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't have yeah. to use that one. But, 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 but that is, <laughs> that is, <laughs> no, but I love that song. It's uh, you're funny. You're like you probably don't know them. Like, try me. <laughs> No, yeah, no, no. I, I'm the girl that listens to all sorts of music from those in the 80s, 70s, 60s to um, Viking ballads and stuff like that. So yeah. Sure. Um, and so yeah, I'm probably, sure. yes, very much so. Um, again, fun and interesting and why not? So, but that is definitely a good song. I will find a YouTube video for it and put it in there. So people that may not have heard it will now hear it and get a song stuck in their brain, in the ear, have an earworm. 
yeah. And then they all say, damn it, Benjamin, it's all your fault. And I'm like, at least it was a good song. Correct. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very romantic Pick. song. Yeah, it's exactly. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. So why not? Mm. It's a good song. What is your favorite word? <laughs> um, wow. What is my favorite word? Hmm. <laughs> I like words. Mm-hmm. I like words. So this one feels tough. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make it precious. The one that um, came to my mind that I really liked when I was in college was Weltschmerz. Weltschmerz, which that? means world weariness. Mm. Weltschmerz. Nice. But that's not, I mean, it's not originally an, an English word, but. It doesn't matter. It's a word. I didn't say it had to be an English word. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're good. I got you. <laughs> well, here's, a, here's another, uh, a bit more specific. What is your favorite curse word? Okay. Okay. So I'll give you a little backstory about that about this one i grew up in a pretty um religious methodist household my grandfather was a a, a minister and other side and on my father's side there have been many uh, ministers and so both my parents were raised quite religiously Mm -hmm. and i was raised to you know fear everything essentially just fear it all and not just God, but everything. And so I didn't, in high, growing up, even in high school, I did not drink. I did not curse. I did not, not do any drugs. I did not go to any parties. I did not have any sex. Um, I did not watch The Simpsons or, or um, any cartoons or, or like uh, South Park. I was, we were for, forbidden from, mm-hmm. from watching those things. So it was almost puritanical. And then I went to college, I came to New York and went to college and it was like, what? Uh, and I had to, I actually went to drama school and um, we had to curse, like we had to curse. One of the, the first scene that I had to do, like the first week of drama school, I had to say fuck. And part of our, like, even in our speech class, uh, we, we would do fuck you cupcake for like the, you know, for, to, to, to produce a certain, the, the uh sound mm-hmm. and the k- and for um, resonance in our, in our, what is it, what I'm saying, like our uh, palate, our hard palate is like, ha, ha, fuck you. And so we had to do fuck you cupcake. And I had a breakdown. I had like a panic attack where I had to leave the classroom because I didn't want to say fuck because I felt like, oh, I'm going to go to, go to hell. Mm-hmm. I felt like I, like my whole life is going to unravel if I have to. And everyone around me, all these kids were just casually saying like, fuck, 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 fuck. And I was like, no, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Um, and then I, I moved through that and now I curse all the time. But my favorite, <laughs> we can change, change is possible, kids. Mm-hmm. So my favorite curse word is, oh, after that buildup, after that like introduction and now I feel like I don't actually, Maybe it's fuck. Mm-hmm. Probably fuck. Yeah. Okay. It's it's very malleable 
and as to what it can be used from because you can use it as a you know a, a verb a noun an adjective mm-hmm. an exp an ex, mm-hmm. you know, exclamation it's such a good mm-hmm. word mm-hmm. You know? but i hear you i grew i didn't grow up in from a religious perspective but like in my household we didn't curse at all it was not um done it was frowned upon it was also very not ladylike to be cursing and uh, <laughs> fast forward to high school where i meet my yeah. best friends at the time and it's fuck every other word <laughs> so i'm like Absolutely. fucking hey yeah uh, <laughs> and i'm like it is very much ladylike and it shows a higher intelligence when you are fucking around and saying that word <laughs> so come on yeah mm-hmm. but it's also again it's just like the importance of like how you use it and when you use it just to add it when people use it just for the hell of it mm-hmm. that's when i'm going dude come up with another word you know but like fuckery yes that's good all their fuckery. yes <laughs> systemic fuckery is still yes. afoot yes it yes. is <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you know things you learn as you get older and that you realize that you know some people for some it's very big deals and for others not so much and it's okay you know yes. Yeah. 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 It's important. Growth is important. We have reached the fun, well, more fun or whatever, depending on how you look at it. uh, The game sections of our chat. (laughs) Yes. And this one is um, two truths and a lie, where our guest tells us three things about themselves, of which, as the title suggests, two of them are actually truth and one is a lie. And we, and I like to say we because I, like to believe that the listener is playing along with me otherwise hello um <laughs> is uh trying to figure out which is the lie um and then we go from there so what are your three things you like to share okay one my first kiss was underwater two i am a citizen of barbados in the caribbean three I have metal rods and screws in my lower spine. Damn. Okay. Hmm. So kiss underwater, your first kiss underwater. Mm-hmm. Um, citizenship, uh, dual citizenship in Barbados in the Caribbean, mm-hmm. or that you have rods in the lower spine. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I want to say this citizenship is the truth. Wait, do I tell you? I have to guess. Yes, we're going to guess. This is where you guess, and then you get to say, listen, otherwise, this is going to be a very one of those dun dun dun. I know. know? (laughs) And now, this is where we cut and go into commercial, and you're all going to have to wait an entire two more weeks to figure out and have him answer you. They would kill me. They will figure out, and they're like, what did Benjamin say? (laughs) Uh... All right, folks, until next time. Happy. I'll never know. You must come to my Instagram to find out. Oh, yes. See, that's and that's what you call a launch, people, where you get into an, <laughs> launch and cross promotion for those that are not into marketing. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was his plan all this time. When I send him the email and say, hey, we're going to play a game called Two Truths and a Lie. He's like, I'm going to set this up for epicness <laughs> and have it match along with my Instagram launch. <laughs> that's right. That yeah. is fully correct. Yes, and you're gonna have this flock of people wanting to know where is the link. We want to know now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so 
sly sly you know you have to tell us um so okay. i'm not gonna, gonna try guess. to uh, yeah i'm gonna guess and so i think this uh the citizenship in barbados is true yes. are you gonna go through all three of them or oh good question maybe uh, let's do that okay so i think that one is true and oh man the other two are possible um because you never know um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that underwater thing is so on the ooh, romantic side of things um mm -hmm. but i'm gonna go with the first kiss underwater being false okay the first kiss underwater is true ah okay good good the... for you <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> um <laughs> the uh metal specifically titanium rods mm -hmm. and screws in my spine are true. It was for <laughs> severe scoliosis um, that, I, that was, was called adolescent uh, mm -hmm. idiopathic scoliosis, which means that there's no real reason behind it or they don't know the source, which was idiopathic. And it, it started when I was an adolescent. Um, and the falsity is, the, is that I'm a citizen in Barbados because actually I'm a citizen of the Bahamas. I was born and raised in the Bahamas. So, haha, which is also, you know, why I had the underwater kiss, maybe. So, I was going to say that. Underwater. I was going to say, yeah, it's like fast time is hanging out by the water. Right. <laughs> Nicely done. Thank you. <laughs> Usually I get it, but you mentioned about having that friend in the Bahamas and stuff like that. So I figured that maybe you had some some dual citizenship around there. But you mm -hmm. were the specifics is what's important. People specifics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Before, that in the details. It is, and sometimes that's how I realize that that's the lie is because it's too specific. Mm. You know, like I had one guest say that they they uh, swam the the English River. And they were specific as to what section it was. And I'm going, I've never been over there. I would not know where that is. So how, that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yes, that's the truth. Like, all right, there you go. I was right because of the specifics. Um, mm. Yes, yeah, I dropped my pen. Um, but yeah, so cool. Okay. So again, you had their first kiss underwater. That's mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. And mm -hmm. the rods are... And your spine are true. Okay. So now we learned a lot more from Benjamin. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So before we go, can you tell us a little bit about what you're currently working on, if you can share, and what's coming out next for you? Sure. Um, I just worked on uh, Falling at First Sight by Willow Winters, produced by One Night Stand Studios. I think that might have actually come out in March. Mm -hmm. um, it was a short, really a short story, but really, really nice and uh, sweet. And I am finishing up, and it, this should be out pretty soon, Loving Man by Bailey West, produced by Podium. And um, coming down the pike pretty soon are some titles by Riley Hart, by Stephanie Nicole Norris and by Asia Monique. Some really exciting stuff. So, and all of those should be coming out before the fall. Nice. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. Ooh. I'll see about if I can grab those links and info for people to add to their to be listen list because we like to do that and add it to our calendars as to when they come out because we do that too. Um, <laughs> Hello. <laughs> we like Hello. know it's it's how we figure out what we're listening to next and if we can start something depending on the duration of the title or not. You know, uh, it's how yeah. you figure out. Okay, like, hey, can I start this if Benjamin's going to come out with the book any moment now? Kind of the thing. Uh, okay, so yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well thank you benjamin for returning to this year's audiobook loving series appreciate thank it you. thank you so much thank you and everyone thank you for hanging out with us today and we hope you've enjoyed this episode and the series as well so until next time happy listenings take care the audiobook love and podcast has special patreon incentives Join today to receive early access to podcast episodes, exclusive content with our guests, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' series, hosted by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. We hope you have enjoyed this episode as well as the series. We've included audio samples of our guests' work within the post for you to check out. Please make sure to visit the main page, link within the post, to learn more about the series, the authors, and the narrators. Please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to this series if you enjoyed today's episode. Make sure to follow us on our social media platforms and subscribe to the Viviana Enchantress of Books newsletter. Until next time, happy listening. Audiobook Lovin' hopes you've enjoyed this program. 